Welcome to If Not Us, a podcast for changemakers looking to make the world a better place. I'm your host, Sarah Ackerman, and today we're talking about race and identity with Dr. Lucretia Berry, President and Learning Community Director of Brownicity, an anti-racism curriculum specialist, course designer, and author of What Lies Between Us, fostering first steps towards racial healing. Welcome, Dr. Berry. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. <laughs> of course, we're excited to chat. Um, so tell me about your background and uh, kind of what brings you to where you are today. Okay, are you ready? It's a long story. No, I'll make it short. So essentially, I, um, at a young age, in my 20s, um, was fortunate to be able to get a doctorate in education. And most of my um, work was around like multicultural education and um, anti-racism education and um, instructional technology. Um, and then, um, Moving forward, I was only a professor for a short time um, before like, getting married and having children. Um, I married a white guy, so I am in an interracial uh, marriage and a multi-ethnic family. We have three daughters. And because of like both my husband and I were, had already been in, immersed in the work of um, racial healing, um, anti-racism education, uh, diversity, inclusion, belonging. It's actually how we met. Um, and it is another story for another podcast, another time, another podcast episode is how we met. So we, um, you know, entered our, created our new family, understanding that we would need to have a very uh, clear and established way of identifying ourselves because we're this multi-ethnic family with multi-ethnic children um, living in a very hyper-racialized society. And so our questions were, okay, so what's our story? What's our narrative? Like, how do we raise children that don't internalize that they are half of something or half of this, but they are um, uniquely whole, like everybody is uniquely whole, like everybody um, comes from um, a mom and a dad, so to speak, like originally, um, biologically, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. Egg, like, you know? yeah. Back to like the very, like the science of it all. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's <laughs> it. So, you know, we had to talk about, okay, so what, what are we sharing? What are we teaching? What is our perspective? Because up until that point, um, you know, I, I would hear, um, multi-ethnic families, I would hear parents kind of struggling to be able to teach the children um, identity and race um, without um, like maybe bringing in some harmful baggage into the conversation. So it would either be bringing in harmful baggage into the conversation um, or, um, and when I say harmful baggage, it, it, it could, anything having to do with like racial uh, trauma or trauma around race. And so maybe kind of transferring that on um, to the child. Um, so for one example, um, I remember um, an African-American young man who has white siblings, um, you know, as his parents struggle to try to teach them all, you know, um, history and things like that. I remember he it kind of internalized like, oh, white people are liars. You know, so like, whoops, nope, that's not, that's not what the parents meant to teach you. Yeah. And then oh. The other way where, um, you know, I would hear parents say, um, well, you know, um, 
you're just chocolate and vanilla squirrel. So one of the parents is chocolate and one of the parents is vanilla and you're chocolate and vanilla squirrel. I mean, which is cute and adorable and age appropriate, but you can't build an identity off of, or a strong identity um, off of- um, Soft you know, serve. Yeah, yeah, soft serve, ice cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're more than ice cream. Like, yeah. yeah. Ice cream is lovely and, and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, we, we need it more. So, um, again, we, we talked about an awareness of being one, one humanity, and then, um, being very, um, explicit about how uh, we became racialized as a society. Um, but then fundamentally who we are, who God says we are, who we are as a created, you know, creation. And, um, one day our, our first child who was about four years old um, expressed an observation. And she said, mommy, um, we're all hues of brown. She said, you're dark brown and daddy is light brown. She said, and I'm medium brown. I mean, it was, yes, beautiful. Her whole, like we, you know, looking at people as a collage of browns mm -hmm. um, is not only um, useful, it's actually correct um, because of melanin, you know, and, and we were able to explain that to her. Like, yes, because of melanin, um, which we, you know, we all have melanin is brown. And those of us who look like mommy have um, much more melanin. And those of us who look like daddy have um, less melanin. And we talked about, uh, you know, um, the geography that our ancestors came from, which have, would have contributed um, to that. And so we ran with that. And then, um, and so moving forward, we found our family <laughs> found ourselves um, being um, kind of a source or a resource for um, lots of questions that other families, um, especially multi-ethnic families, whether by adoption or by marriage and birth, like our family, you know, had lots of questions. And, and how are you teaching your children? What are you teaching your children? How do you explain this? How do you talk to them about that? And um, people said that, you know, you, you all are so good at this. You should do something with this. Now, at the time, I thought that is absurd because that was back before the racial climate really heated up. Like that was pre-2014. Um, and so I thought that's weird. So I, <laughs> I just kept, you know, again, we just kept kind of being this local kind of uh, um building questions for friends and families and talking about being, we're all hues of brown, we're all shades of brown and people found that useful. Um, and then yes, when about 2015, um, we kind of took it public, I should say like, okay, we'll do this intentionally in a more organized way to really cultivate learning. So we're not just fielding questions like one at a time. Like obviously there's a whole group of people who wanna learn, we'll gather those people. And we'll gather those people under the banner of brownicity, a made up word, brown representing melanin. And then icity comes from the word ethnicity, which means that which we have in common. And so, you know, as our daughter said, we're all hues of brown. Um, we are many hues and one humanity. And brownicity um, is a learning platform that gives us the space to um, really understand, you know, how we have been uh, racialized and, you know, harmfully racialized and move towards healing humanity um, to be, to be whole. That's so, 
<laughs> yeah, that's so wonderful. And like to to hear it from a, a child to start all of this, like already having the conversations, but giving them, if it came from her, it means she can understand it. And that means probably kids of her age can also understand it. But they're, those are very difficult conversations that adults need to be having too. And like you said, we're more than just Froyo. Like <laughs> people shouldn't just be referred to like that. And it, uh, it's age appropriate, sure. But to, to make sure people have the vocabulary and the ability to, to talk about this is very important. I, it's wonderful. So um, what sort of changes have you already seen as a result of your work? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I know it's a big question. No, I mean, well, I'll just say a lot. I, I mean, just today I met with a person in the community who just shared with me how, um, and, and this is a common story I hear people say, I thought I knew. I thought, yeah, I thought I knew. And then, you know, I took one of your courses and essentially, you know, the courses are to put, you know, help pe people put pieces together. And she said, and then I just, really knew I came to this understanding to this awareness like people are you know kind of have these ahas and these revelations and you know the Maya Angelou quote like when we know better we do better or really when we know better we can do better because sometimes people know better and they still don't do better but <laughs> get the point and so it really empowers people to you know not feel helpless about um, where we are today. Some people go, well, this, you know, this is the result of something that happened a long time ago and we can't do anything about it. Oh my gosh, you most certainly can. And so we've seen people refuse to continue to abdicate their power, um, you know, to status quo, like that's just the way it is and say, oh my gosh, it can be different. Like this was the way it is now was actually staged, you know, created and they go, oh, but we can, you know, through our own convictions and our creativity, um, dismantle that and create something better. And I mean, I, I hear that time and time again. I mean, people talk about, tell me, oh my gosh, I would have been one of those people who thought like this, mm -hmm. probably in their head, they're judging those people as crazy. <laughs> I would have been one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> now I have a better, um, a more full um, and, and a working understanding. And so people feel excited to be able to participate, you know, in um, creating and cultivating a society that works for everybody. Yeah. And with that knowledge, it feels like people are then able to have like the confidence to approach these subjects, whereas otherwise they'd be like, I'm going to do something wrong, say something wrong, like even with the best of intentions, but like having the, the know-how and the vocabulary to like talk about stuff it makes it easier to talk about stuff. Right, and I've gone into classrooms and given children language and teachers talk about how different, like because the, the teacher is confident and the teacher is calm, like they know that the, the children are going to be able to um, talk about the, the things that they have, are observing and the questions that they have, but they have permission and they have now maturity and a, a vocabulary, a, a healthy vocabulary. So teachers are more relaxed <laughs> as, as children, um, because of course children, you know, see color and they've made these observations, but if nobody's having the conversation, they're just kind of making up meanings themselves. Yeah. And if they're, not, uh, if they're not getting raised to like think uh, necessarily critically about why things are necessarily the way they are. Um, I watched your TED talk and uh, it was just kind of a mind blowing moment after a mind blowing moment of just like, oh, I never like, I had never thought about that in saw like uh, 
so many reasons why we are where we are today. And it was just very, very enlightening. And we'll make sure we link to it in the show notes. But um, can you tell me more about your TED Talk and how that came to be? Okay, so do you want me to talk about the process of the TED Talk or the idea? The idea of the TED Talk. Okay, okay, no problem. I mean, I want to talk about how to do a TED Talk at some point too. So we'll take that for another time. Yeah, it's hard. But anyway, (laughs) but the idea was natural because at that time and and still I'm immersed in um, parents, you know, that that's those are my colleagues because I'm a mom. Currently, our girls are 14, 11 and nine. Right. Oh, my gosh. And um, so so at that time, yeah, they were younger. I'm immersed in school. So I'm up to my, you know, eyeballs in school activities. Um, I have a heart for teachers um, because, you know, I am an educator um, in my background. And so um, I was finding myself with lots of opportunities to help, um, you know, to to inform parents and teachers. And um, and so, yeah, I that's really where the, the TED Talk came from. I mean, TED Talk was on my bucket, bucket list. I never imagined that. Um, you know, I, I wrote it down and then was on the stage the next year. I never imagined it would happen so quickly. Yes, all oh, 10 years from now. But the, the, the theme of, um, or my idea of our children, you know, will light up the world if we don't keep them in the dark or if we don't keep in the, them in the dark, our children will light up the world. It kept resonating. And again, it just came from so many conversations where parents felt that, okay, race, racism is a topic that's really too complicated and scary for children. Um, It most definitely is not. I mean, a child like me, an African-American child has been observing and talking about it from (laughs) a really, really young age. I had to understand it in order to be able to navigate it and to be healthy. So um, children can do it and adults are doing children a disservice um, by thinking, or, well, by depriving them of understanding. And so I just wanted to talk about it in a way that was, you know, kind of fun and to tell these stories of, you know, how a, adults were kind of getting it wrong, but children definitely, um, when given the opportunity, are getting it right. Yeah. And it comes from, uh, I'm, I'm going to venture a guess that the uh, the folks that were saying that the teaching children about race and racism is too hard um, were probably white because it comes from such a place of privilege to be like, we don't need to talk about that because that's not a thing um, that we need to necessarily deal with. And that's so unfortunate because then they're depriving their children of having this uh, ability to, to have not only hard conversations or complex conversations about this, but it can lead to other hard and tough conversations about other things. And, and here's the thing, one of the reasons why it's so hard and complex and tough is because we aren't being taught it. Yeah. So it's like trying to speak and understand a foreign language and nobody's ever like taught you the alphabet or how to count or how to say hello. And then you're trying to figure this out on your own. But if somebody teaches you, like, mm-hmm. oh, here's the history, this is how this works, here are the nuances. Like if we have the opportunity to learn it in the same way, for example, we learn you know, math or, you know, social studies or something like that, or a foreign language, then it wouldn't, we would have less dissonance, um, you know, um, 
dissonance between like what what we know, what we don't know. We would have a, a shared and common understanding. You know, currently right now we have people who like we have people like me who have maybe been immersed in studying and paying attention their whole lives, and then someone who just maybe saw something on the news. You mm -hmm. know, and then the person who just learned or was awakened or quickened um, by a news story wants to talk about it at the level of someone like me. That's not a good idea. That's like, you know, a preschooler trying to have a conversation, like literally with a PhD, like yeah. and thinking that you, it, it's the same weight. And that's why, you know, it's so hard because we don't have this common found. I'm trying to show my hands. We don't have a common foundation. Well, and also like the, the analogy of having like a preschooler uh, try to talk to like a, a doctoral student or a PhD, like that's kind of why the internet's such a terrible place these oh. days. The worst. That's all things. It's it's folks that have read something online posted by God knows who on some on like Reddit that's like, no, this is fact. And no, it's not. Like people have dedicated time and energy and resources and their lives to studying this. And no, <laughs> that's that's not how this works. And and this is exactly why I created a learning community. Because yeah. Just you need to, you know, if I'm gonna learn how to be a photographer, like I'm not going to just um, I'm, I'm going to go, go to people who have studied photography, right? Maybe I'll find their YouTube pages. I don't know. Like I'm going to learn from people, um, not from random people who are just having a conversation about photographs, you know, so, or art or what, I don't know. Yeah. So that's why I created this learning community, this space that, okay, you can become a member and go into this space. We have, we're, you know, educators and we have put in there, um, you know, uh, the resources and sources from the people who have, again, they are immersed in it. They're, they're studying it. Their only agenda is for you to be free through, through education or for you to have an understanding. There is not about, you know, no, they're, they're not trying to get you to vote or a certain way. They're like, here, just, yeah, be a critical thinker for your own health. <laughs> it's just like learning math or a foreign language or social studies, like you said, like it's just, it is education for your own education and that should be good enough. Like if you want to take that and try to make the world a better place because you see some injustice going on, great. If you just want to take it and learn, like cool, like that's a wonderful way to approach it without any sort of strings attached. Like just, just learn for learning's sake. It's a good thing to do. Kids do it, adults should keep doing it. <laughs> um, so, uh, what is one thing everyone, anyone and everyone could start doing today to be more anti-racist? Okay. Let's see. What did I say? Oh, okay. Well, okay. Number one, again, mm -hmm. is to get an education because we often erroneously believe that, you know, just proximity to a person of a different background will, is the, all the education we need. Um, and, and that is great. Like, please diversify your friendship world because that's how we were created to be, you know, and it was laws and policies that have segregated us, um, and have continued to segregate us. But when we, but when we have like a solid understanding, um, of, of race and racism, um, then we are, you know, truly informed and empowered to then make better choices. And so, like you said, maybe, you know, you have this conviction to um, actively do things, um, actively dismantle and make changes, 
or maybe you just you needed a better understanding just so you don't continue to contribute um, unbeknownst to you, you know, to uh, to the problem. And so that number one, if people could just get an education, like from an educator, that would be great. <laughs> like, yeah, don't maybe, just go online. Yeah. Well, you need an online learning platform, but don't just read. Yeah. 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 If you can take a course, that the reason why Brownicity exists is because I wanted to give access to people who, for you're not at a university, so you can't enroll in the course. Um, you're not maybe working for a company that is going to say, here's some professional development, you know, or something. So really, it is for the community, um, but to give you the same quality um, of designed education. Um, for you to come in and and I, I mean people have written me and said I love this space like I come in and I take the courses um, because it's not just about um, being like a critical thinker isn't about race let's see being a critical thinker about race isn't um, requires more than just learning about race mm -hmm. because race touches so many things um, has touched so many things so there's various um, courses there so that's number one um, it would be great if, if people would um, get an education. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's great. And is there a, a second thing that comes to mind? Yes. And then second thing is to, well, to be active. So, um, and, and that could be challenging. And, and so um, I, I always propose that people let their conviction be their guide. So for example, for me, I, um, I, I try to help parents and educators because that's where I feel the most, um, that's where I feel a passion. Um, I want to help advocate, advocate for educators um, being, get, getting more support um, to be trained and taught so that um, they can be, they can, um, as educators, integrate and fuse um, anti-racism into their um, curriculums. Um, but like, for example, there, are, I have, a, I know a person who's a venture capitalist, a venture capitalist. He's like, what can I do? Well, how, how about you know, are there are there people who don't have access the way you have access? Like they don't have social capital the way you had social capital. So maybe can you reach out to some people that you can help, like teach them who are interested or, you know, and so you can share some things with them. Um, maybe you invest in their businesses that maybe, you know, you they don't know the people that you know, but you reach out and intentionally invest in businesses that historically have a hard time getting investments. We had a marketing company um, reach out to us. They started a program. They under they had researched and realized why that there are so few people in uh, people of color in marketing. So they started a fellowship. Um, and the fellowship <laughs> like, here's why. <laughs> there's, there's access. Yes. And so then you get access to um, people of color so that they can be funneled into the marketing um, community. So, I mean, whatever your conviction, um, um, I have a realtor, right? He understands, he goes, um, I want to help realtors not continue to uh, 
create the redlining that is now outlawed. And that is a thing where realtors could continue to create the redlining that's outlawed. So let your conviction be your guide and move forward in love. You cannot move forward um, in an energy of trauma. Otherwise, you will um, really harm yourself and harm people that you're working with. So yeah. So your website says, Hope Holders for Humanity, the Brown City team remains dedicated to offering eye-opening education for those eager to learn. So what do you hope is in Brown City's future in the next few years? Okay. Well, all the No. <laughs> Honestly, I would hope that we'd be obsolete, that people don't they get it and so they don't need us like you don't need a brownicity that this education is in, integrated right into schools uh pre-k um through you know 12th grade by the time you get to college you're like i don't need to enroll in the course because i i already understand this or you know like yeah we don't need uh like a organization that is purely education because the education is normalized and it's a part of our normal you know of our educational experience just the way math is right <laughs> yeah. you, only, you only need a math tutor, like if you're really struggling with, so, you know, you know, maybe, maybe that's what Brownie City would do. We'd just be tutors. Right. We need a little extra. Yes. But no, but what I, but I love it though. Like the, the idea of, uh, I feel like most nonprofits like get started or like cause-based orgs get started because they want to not exist, but then they start and they're like, oh, we can't stop. But like, it, it warms my heart hearing you say that, like, I hope we're not around. Like, Yeah. That's great. I and mean, you solved the problem. This thing that we did, and now we're done. And now I'm, I'm doing something else. Like, organic. you're relaxing on a beach. You're uh, doing whatever your version of like the ideal vacation is. You're just chilling. It's fine. Yeah, yeah playing with my grandkids or something. Yeah. Ah. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. <laughs> We've solved the world. It's we're perfect. <laughs> For some reason, I don't feel like that's necessarily going to be the case. Right. <laughs> So what we want to do is we really want to help people embody um, this work early. So, and it, and it takes some time because that's a misconception. People think, well, if I take this workshop, I'm good. Or if I listen to the speaker one time, I'm good. Or if I read this one book, check. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, I, I wish I remember where I heard this. I think I know, but I don't want to misquote. But at the least, it takes about four years to embody this work if you have not kind of grown up in this type of you know, awareness and consciousness. It takes four years to really get it in your body and, and to function, like to be anti-racist, to be able to see um, kind of the, how you know, racism is a little um, like kind of in the air and a part of the air we breathe, you know? And, and so to be able to identify it and then to, um, you know, do things intentionally that kind of starve that, right? So it takes a while for that to be nourished and to grow. And, but the earlier we start, you know, even just giving kids language again, so it's no, it's so normal in our home. My kids, some, they are baffled. They are like, why are you talking about this? And I'm like, honey, it is, y'all, it's not normal for people. Or, you know, adults will say something to them. And of course they're confused because this is an adult who should know better. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell my kids, they, y'all, people don't know. You know more about this than about skin tone, race, racism, 
than the adults. Um, when my daughter was in the eighth grade, she was like, yeah, today in whatever, like in class, we talked about civil rights and we had to write this thing. She was like, I wrote it so quickly and I got an A. It was so easy, you know? <laughs> she was like, and that's not her personality as a student. She's very kind of shy and kind of intimidated, you know? But she's like, oh, this, I, you know, she was like, oh, I just rocked it, knocked it out of the box, you know? <laughs> but that's what we want. We want that knowledge, confidence early. And the earlier we can help people get that, um, the better, even as a young adult. Currently right now, when people, they lean into me and they say, my father-in-law, I'm like, it's already, it's always an in-law that people are struggling with, <laughs> like an <laughs> older, and you never want to like claim it as your own either. It's never like my dad, because then right. it's like, you've got to claim like, oh, that's my responsibility, not my husband's. Yeah, it's like my such and such in law, you know, like they mean well, but oh my goodness, Be because, you know, that's the generation that would have had like either they would have had, a, they would have been opposition to the civil rights movement because very few people were on board with the civil rights movement. So they probably were in opposition to it or they would have been right at the beginning of the whole colorblind. Like we have to be, no, that's not true. Colorblindness, because I'm thinking about age, colorblindness would have been their answer. Like, oh, this is how we address all of the things we're seeing because the civil rights movement was televised. So then our answer to that is colorblindness. You don't, we treat everybody equally and we don't notice skin color. And so again, that's traumatic in and of itself and so that they've embodied that. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't surprise me that when people say my, you know, it's mother-in-law or, or my mom or my dad or my, that uncle, you know? That <laughs> so, Everybody's got that uncle. Everybody. And right. I don't know what the issue is. They've got. I crack up. But again, you have to see people in the context of their era, right? right. So even my generation is a little, is less, is still not as bold as my children's generation. So the, the, the generation that's coming up, I, they, yeah, our children are, they're gonna do it, so. We, I don't wanna say we need them to, but like looking at the world, especially just in the past like few weeks, few years, like we need them, um, we need them. I'm happy that they're, uh, you're seeing that change and like are inspired by what they're doing because uh, the world's a terrifying place. And if you're not engaged with the youth and seeing what they're able to do, there's a, it makes you a little uneasy sometimes. Yes, I, and I'm happy to say, um, you know, I, well, I teach a high school elective mm -hmm. um, on anti-racism. And I just thought with all of the confusion around critical race theory and the weaponizing and the misinformation, I thought, oh, this year I'll have zero students. Like nobody's gonna enroll. And the, the opposite happened, like it, the class doubled. So for the first time I'm teaching two sections nice. of, of the course and I'm like, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I hope next year it triples. Like I hope this is in addition to everything else that you're doing. Yes, yes. It, I, yeah, I hope that yeah, it, it triples and yeah, all of that. Oh. Yeah. So, um, for anyone listening that wants to help and support, what can they do? How can they get involved? Well, they can become a member of Brownie City and becoming a member gives you access to our learning community. 
Um, and it also gives you a way to support our work. So for example, my mom, <laughs> she is a member, but I know she's not taking classes, <laughs> but she is giving, that's her way of giving monthly. Thank you, mom. I love you for that. <laughs> All my parents are, I know that's what they're doing. Um, so that's, that's an easy way to support us. Also, um, um, donating as well is, helps us. We're a nonprofit and, um, we, again, we were committed to creating, designing education and, um, you know, currently our pockets are not deep. So giving is a way. Um, and then of course, spreading the word. Um, today I was talking about to someone who has said, the way that you do it um, is so helpful and so different. And so we can get the word out about, um, you know, our approach and how we do it and how we, you know, our whole goal is motivated um, and driven by love and compassion and grace. Um, and also, yeah, we, I mean, I, I sincerely believe that we can do this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this if I thought, if I, if I was hopeless, Yeah. like I, I wouldn't, cause then I'd just be like, no, I don't understand. Well, I do understand why some people do that, but I do it because I believe, I know we're going to get this. We're, we're going to get this right. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Berry, for your time and efforts on this critically important and, like we said, complex issue of race and identity. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I had a wonderful time. Um, like these people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if anyone has recommendations on topics we should cover or people we need to chat to, visit us at ifnotus.tv to suggest folks you want us to, to chat with. And um, just to round it out. Always remember that change belongs to everyone. Thanks, y'all.